This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 115. I want to take a moment right now to thank all of my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts from. So today is Thursday, December 24th, 2020. It is Christmas Eve day. Uh, my wife and I are currently on vacation in the northeastern United States. And of course, right before we got up here, they had to get four feet of snow. <laughs> I guess it wouldn't be Christmas without snow. We got lucky last year when we came up here. They didn't get much of anything in the way of snow the entire time that we were up here for last year's holiday season. But this year, Mother Nature more than made up for it by dumping four feet right before we got here. And uh, predictions are we're going to get some more on Saturday. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. Today, it's windy and cold out and raining. So that'll melt a little bit of the snow and ice. But uh, I doubt it'll get rid of all of it. So for this week's episode, the topic is always be prepared. Now, one of the biggest things that you have to learn to do as a photographer is to always be prepared for most any situation photography related. Just like the Boy Scout motto, you need to be ready at all times to capture that image, especially when you're working in the photography field and essentially uh, particularly important if you're a photojournalist. But it does apply to anyone who's out making their living with a camera. You want to be ready at all times so that you don't miss a single shot. Now, in today's episode, I'm going to give you some tips for making sure that you're always as ready as possible. I was out shooting a car show one Saturday in Catoosa County, Georgia, and after the show... I stumbled upon this house fire, and I'm going to include an article to this original blog post from my website in the show notes so that you can check out the image for yourself. Now, as I said, I had just uh, stumbled upon a car show in Catoosa County. Uh, They have a car show, I think it's like once a month, um, and I happened to be passing through Catoosa that day, and I caught the car show, so I stopped and I shot a lot of really cool cars on Main Street in Ringgold, Georgia, in Catoosa County. And then after the car show was over, I left uh, Ringgold and was just out driving around, and I came across a house fire. Now, luckily, nobody was hurt in the house fire, uh, although the house did suffer some extensive damage. But anyways, I don't want to get too far off topic. So the first item that you can do to help you be prepared is your batteries. And by that, I mean, make sure you always have your batteries fully charged and ready to use. And it's additionally very, very important to have some additional spare batteries with you whenever, wherever you go because you never know when you may need that extra battery. It depends on, you know, how many shots uh, per battery charge you get with your particular camera, uh, how active you're going to be out shooting that in a, on any particular day. Uh, but especially if you're somebody in the photojournalism field, 
those people know that you go through a lot of batteries, especially when you're out covering a story, whether it's uh, protests and riots here in the United States or in another country somewhere else in the world, or a military conflict of some kind, whether it's the war in Afghanistan or whatever the case may be, you got to make sure you always have plenty of batteries and keep those batteries topped off whenever you get the opportunity. Now, the second item you want to make sure that you always have with you is memory cards. Now, like batteries, memory cards are another item that you can never have too many of. And being that they're reasonably inexpensive these days, you can easily carry several spares on you at all times. Make sure you always have them formatted for your camera and ready to go at a moment's notice. Uh, as soon as your one memory card that you're currently shooting with starts getting close to full, pop that bad boy out, pop in a fresh one, and keep going. You can never have too many memory cards and especially because a lot of cameras these days, I mean, there are exceptions to the rule, but a lot of cameras these days, um, it, it's fairly common for the majority of cameras on the market to take SD cards. And as I'm sure my listeners are already aware, my uh, SD cards are fairly inexpensive. So it's not hard to go on Amazon and pick up several good SD cards. They don't have to be massively high capacity cards. Um, a lot of times I tell people it's better to have multiple cards rather than worrying about getting one or two super high capacity cards. But again, it's going to depend on your situation. Uh, I personally think it's best, you know, especially if you're a cost conscientious shooter, um, as far as how much you want to pay for stuff, don't scrimp and get cheap cards. Don't get low quality cards. Get good SanDisk, Extreme Pro, or Ultra cards or something like that. If you can afford it, get Lexar or ProGrade Digital, uh, some of the higher end cards. But the big thing is, is make sure you get a decent um, series of SD cards. And, you know, capacity-wise, 32 gigs is fine, 64 gigs. A lot of that's going to come down to how big the sensor is on your camera and whether you're shooting RAW or JPEG. Now, if you're a photojournalist, most of them these days are shooting JPEG um, because most of the wire agencies require that. And uh, they have to be able to send their images as quickly as possible. They have to be able to upload them to an editor somewhere on the other side of the planet or whatever the case may be. So if you're shooting JPEG anyways, you know, a 32 gig memory card or maybe even a 16 gig memory card is going to give you a lot of shots when you're shooting JPEG all the time anyway. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Now, the third item is your lens caps. Leave them off when you are carrying around your camera. There's nothing more embarrassing than pulling up your camera to snap a once-in-a-lifetime shot, and then you realize you left your lens cap on. And an easy, inexpensive way to protect your glass is to use a lens hood instead. I don't recommend using a UV filter on the front element of your lens, as I've talked about in the filters episode. I just don't think that's a good idea because if you whack the front of your lens, you know, against a tree or something like that as you're hiking, uh, you could damage the UV filter. It could get bent or misshapen, and then you wouldn't be able to unscrew it from the front of your lens. So it's much better to put a lens hood on your lens. Let that protect the front of your lens. Worst case, case scenario, especially if it's a bayonet style uh, lens hood, you know, the twist locks on. 
um, using a, a basically a bayonet track on the outside of the lens barrel. If you whack that up against a tree, it'll crack or it'll shatter and fall off or whatever the case may be, but at least it won't be trapped, you know, stuck on your lens if it gets beaten up and misshapen like a lens filter could, especially since the lens filters, again, are threaded on, so that could definitely cause some problems for you. Always best to go with a lens hood. Um, as I've talked about in other episodes, you know, if you buy the higher quality lenses from, you know, somebody like Canon or Nikon or or Sigma, whoever the it may be, chances are they're going to come with a lens hood included as part of the lens purchase, especially if you're talking Canon L-Glass. Now, if you're buying Canon's gold band lenses or their silver band lenses, they don't come with lens hoods, but you can generally uh, go on someplace like Amazon and you can order third-party lens hoods that'll fit your lens for a fairly inexpensive price. Um, so that's what I would recommend. It's a better way to protect the front element of your lens and the barrel of your lens, you know, the front front end of the barrel of your lens. It's a much better option than to go with any kind of thread on UV filters. And again, as I mentioned in the filters episode not too long ago, a UV filter can cause some weird artifacts, uh, some weird chromatic aberrations or color fringing and stuff like that, um, which is going to degrade the quality of your images. So you definitely don't want to go that route. And you're much better off sticking with a lens hood. And I'm going to take a break right here for just a minute and I will be right back. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Liam Photography Podcast. You can visit the homepage for the show at liamphotographypodcast.com for show notes and links. You can call or text the show at 470-294-8191 with questions, comments, or requests for future episodes. If you prefer not to call or text, you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. Also, check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group, and you can find us on Twitter at LiamPhotoATL. On Twitter, you can tweet the show. Just insert the hashtag LiamPhotoPodcast. And now, back to the show. And we're back. Okay, so carrying on with this week's list of always being prepared when you're a photographer. Number four, and this one's really important one, always carry more than one camera. Now, if you look at any pros that are out in the field, especially photojournalists, they never waste time changing lenses out in the field. They always generally carry at least two bodies. Some will carry three or four bodies. It just all depends on the kind of work they're doing, what they're trying to accomplish. But it's always best to have, at minimum, two bodies. And one of the main reasons for this is you not only want, don't want to waste time switching out lenses if you're only carrying one body you know going from a wide angle lens to a medium telephoto or a long telephoto or a portrait lens or something like that is you don't want to expose your sensor element or your sensor on your camera to dust and debris and stuff like that you know especially if you're a photojournalist a lot of times those folks are out in extreme situations extreme weather um, you know you might be out and you know as I mentioned at the top of this episode they could be covering a conflict in the Middle East or something like that you know with all the sand and the windstorms and stuff like that the last thing you want to be doing is popping off your lenses all the time and exposing that sensor to dust and debris and all of that kind of stuff 
if you look, a professional photojournalist especially, and a lot of times a wedding photographer, they'll have at least two bodies. And the reason for that is, is they'll put a maybe a prime lens on one body and then they'll use a telephoto, a short or medium telephoto lens on the other body so that they're prepared for any kind of shot that they may need or want to take. You know, so if you're talking a wedding photographer, they might have one body that's got, say, a 50 millimeter prime lens, like a 1.2, or they might have an 85 millimeter lens on one body, and then the other body, they might have a 70 to 200, 2.8, and it just gives them more flexibility uh, when it comes to getting the images, getting the shot when they're out as a working professional. Now, you know, that might not be the situation. They may not, uh, some photographers may not go with a prime lens they may decide to use two zoom lenses and then a fairly common situation would be for them to have uh, one body with a 24 to 70 2.8 the other one with a 70 to 200 2.8 so then you've got everything covered from 24 millimeters to 200 millimeters gives you a lot of flexibility because again, as, as I've talked about in previous episodes, if you got a 70 to 200 millimeter lens, well, guess what? With a 70 to 200, you can cover 85 millimeters, which is a standard portrait uh, focal length. You can cover 105 millimeters, which on the Nikon and Sony bodies is a popular portrait lens uh, focal length. You can also cover 135 millimeters, which is popular with Sony shooters as another portrait focal length. And then of course you have your maximum reach of 200. And then of course on the inverse side with the other lens, the 24 to 70, you've got 24 millimeters, which is somewhat wide. It's not mega wide. It's not an ultra wide, but it's a fairly wide lens. You know, if you're in a, in a wedding situation or a photojournalist, the 24 millimeters is going to give you a reasonably wide shot. And then, of course, you can also adjust, you know, you can also switch from 24 millimeters to 50 millimeters and then 70 millimeters. So you've got quite a bit of flexibility there as well. And of course, if they're both 2.8 F2.8 lenses, you're going to have maximum light gathering capability. So you're going to be able to get some really fantastic shots. Okay, so the fifth item in the be prepared mantra is turn off your image preview. Now I personally never use image preview when I'm shooting and I don't really recommend that anyone does. If you spend all your time looking at the shots on your rear LCD or chimping as they call it, um, if you're looking at every shot as you take it, you're going to miss a great shot sooner or later. And again, if you watch a pro out in the field with a DSLR, especially, you will never see them looking at their rear LCD. They know their camera. They know how to use it. So they know without looking if they got the shot or not. A candid shot. Uh, this is a candid shot I got of a firefighter from that house fire that I talked to or talked about at the top of this episode. And again, you'll be able to see these images in the show notes for this episode you see you can check them out but i got this great shot of one of the firefighters he's walking up the sidewalk in front of the property uh carrying some equipment in his hands he's got his full bunker gear on he's got his helmet on his fire jacket and pants you know his air tank the whole kit and caboodle and he as he's walking up the sidewalk he's walking past one of the fire hoses off the fire truck 
And you can tell from looking at it in the shot that the fire hose has definitely got water and water pressure to it because it's fully inflated. Um, if you don't know anything about fire hoses, when they're not being used, they flatten out. And that's so that they can be rolled up and stowed easily on the fire truck. Okay, so the last, the sixth item that I wanted to talk about in this episode um, is make a checklist. So just like a pilot, if you make a list of all the items you need when you get ready to go out and check it the night before, and then again the day of the shoot before you leave the house, you will be prepared for anything that happens and be able to just shoot away. And if, God forbid, a meteor falls and takes out both of your cameras, just laugh at the irony, whip out your iPhone and snap away, you can still get that shot. So, as I mentioned, you know, put together a checklist, you know, a day or two before your shoot, you know, write down exactly everything you need to, to have with you, what bodies you're going to take, what lenses you're going to take, um, the memory cards, charged batteries, what kind of carry equipment you're going to take. Are you going to use a, a messenger bag? Are you going to use a backpack? Are you going to use a Pelican case that's got a telescoping handle and roller wheels on one end like a suitcase? You know, make a list of all these things that you're going to need to take with you. And especially if you're going like really out in the field, like as a photojournalist or something like that, you're going to want to make sure you've also got a compass, you know, that you've got a canteen of water, um, maybe some protein bars or something like that to sustain yourself because you don't know what could happen. You don't know what could possibly come up when you're out in the field. And it's better to be prepared for as many things as possible than to be totally unprepared. Now, I'm not saying that you need to bog yourself down with, you know, 100 pounds of, of gear. You don't want to do that. You want to try to be as, as lightweight and nimble as possible, which is why, you know, generally a working professional, especially a photojournalist, someone like that, that's why I, get back, I got back to the point from a moment ago. They're going to take generally two lenses. They're going to take like a, 12, a 24 to 70 or maybe a 16 to 35, and then they're going to take they're 70 to 200 and that's going to be it because they want to try to uh, keep their weight, you know, their gear weight down as much as possible so they don't get exhausted only a few hours into the day carrying a bunch of stuff. But make sure you put that checklist together a day or two uh, before you're going to go out and shoot, especially if you're going out on an assignment or something like that. Or if it's a wedding, make sure you put together that checklist Go down the checklist now, especially if you're a wedding photographer and probably even if you're a photojournalist, this checklist is something you could make one time um, and you're going to be able to use it over and over again. So it's just a good idea. Maybe once you create your checklist, print out a copy of it, um, keep it, you know, tacked up on the wall next to your desk in your home office or whatever the case may be. Um, so you can look at it anytime you need to, to remind yourself of all the gear that you're going to need and all the items you're going to need, uh, you know, personal items, uh, survival items, stuff like that. Um, now, especially if you're a photojournalist, uh, somebody like that, you're probably going to want to make sure you have a good survival knife with you, you know, like a Swiss army knife or something like that as well because you never know what kind of situations you're going to run into. So it's better to have a few extra lightweight, useful things with you than to not have enough gear with you or enough survival equipment with you. Um, so it's a lot of that is just common sense. But to me, this is a good idea. This is a good little six-item checklist uh, of items that you can always 
have to make absolutely certain that you're fully prepared when you want to go out and capture images. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group and you must answer a security question to join, which is named the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I have also opened it up to allow you to give the names of a previous guest on the show. Uh, which will also get you in and prove that you're a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work to the group. If you would like creative critique of your images, you can post them with the comment CC please, and myself or another pro in the group would be happy to give you some pointers. Now, I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the GFX 50R, you can request to join that group but you do have to answer two security questions. The questions are, do you own or plan to own a GFX 50R and what style of photography do you shoot primarily? You can find my work at www.liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my project at www.forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com And the first book in the series, The Northwest Counties, is now available. All right, so that is going to wrap up this episode 115 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you might be listening to the show. And I want to also wish all of my listeners a Merry Christmas. I hope that you and your family have a wonderful Christmas holiday that you get a lot of cool things from Santa and that your kids and grandkids really enjoy themselves and that you have a fantastic meal and a lot of quality time with family, friends, and loved ones. Okay, I will wrap this up and I will see you all again in another seven days.